It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Shameless Sexual Revolution. So excited for all of you to be here. I just want to note that this conversation is an adult conversation because we are talking about sexy things. And so if you are at work or a child or you don't want people to be hearing you listen to this, then I would say go ahead and pause this and listen to it later. If you're a child, don't pause it. I mean, don't listen to it later is what I meant. Pause it. Not your, not for you. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so excited for this podcast today because we are doing a special um, Shameless Sexual Revolution. This one has friends from all over joining us and uh, rebels from all over. And um, it's an online podcast because I wanted to talk about a colleague of mine who has been on this podcast before. She's been on my interview podcast before. I know her well. Her name is Amy Waterman, and she wrote a book called Unleash Your Pleasure Power. And we all read this, and we're going to talk about it, but you don't have to have read it to listen to it. We're also, Amy will tell you later on where to get it, because I'm sure you'll want to read it after we talk about it. Um, so Amy is one of our rebels. Tiffany is, has also joined us. She's been on several podcasts. She's been the special guest on a few of them as well. And then new rebel Eve is joining us too. So I'm so excited. We may have some pe- other people join later. Um, very excited for this podcast today. So I would just like the rebels to introduce themselves. And so I'll start with you, Tiffany. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, thank you for having me here today. I'm Tiffany Yoverton, and I'm the founder and chief sexinista at Entice Me and Sexy Survivors. And I am an expert at disarming sexual shame to awaken absolute sensual power and really to connect the missing components of sexual pleasure and the power and sexual power to the gender wage gap so that women leaders can fiercely own their best. I love that. Wonderful. Thank you, Tiffany, for being here. And Eve, please tell us about yourself. Okay, I'm Eve. I'm a longtime friend of Amy's. Um, It's been really nice watching her go on this journey and I'm really excited, you know, Amy will tell you I'm a big feminist, always have been pushing those boundaries, and to see Amy step into a more of a rebel role is is exciting, and I think I'm the first person to have read the book, and it just blew my mind that she could write that, it's awesome. Thank you, Eve, I'm so glad you're here, 
And now for Amy, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I have some more questions for you about the book too, of course. Well, thank you so much, Tara. I am so glad, first of all, that you put this book club together. This is the first gathering of people talking about the book since it came out, I think, last week. Um, and also, I would like to uh, thank Tara and Tiffany because you are actually in an invert way co-authors of the book. Uh, the first half of the book is mine, but in the second half of the book, I feature some interviews I did with Tara, with Tiffany, with people like Dr. Lori Mintz. And so... It's because of my interviews with amazing women like you that I realized that there was a need for different voices to be talking about sex. I grew up reading Cosmo magazine and thinking that sex was all about pleasing your man. And then luckily, thanks to amazing friendships with people like Evelyn, with people like you, Tara, and you, Tiffany, I have really decided that we need more women talking about their pleasure and we need girlfriends sharing information with girlfriends about the importance of their pleasure and so that's what is behind uh this book uh my professionally i have been a dating and relationship expert for 15 years uh my site is yourbrilliance.com where i help women live their most brilliant life and my belief is that as women it is not our job to get a man it is not our job to be beautiful. It is only our job to shine and to remove all barriers to that. And one of the ways we shine, of course, is when we own our pleasure. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is a specific form of pleasure called sexual pleasure. Very fun. Love it. Well, so you had a story that you told me about this book when we talked about it that inspired the book for you. I'd love for you to share that story. I, this book made me write it. It was one of those books where I had this idea and I was like, they'll, you know, there's no reason to write it. It won't sell. Nobody wants it. Just go on with your life. And the book kept talking in my ear and I kept talking to Eve about these ideas and they wouldn't let go. And so what sparked it all was, um, about, oh, just under a year ago, I read an article online that was um, a sales copy for a product. And the product was, was helping women improve their orgasms, which of course I thought, oh, this is great. I can't wait to read this article. But the article started to say some things that made me a little bit uncomfortable. The first thing it said is it said about 80% of women have never experienced a vaginal orgasm or need external stimulation to achieve orgasm. Isn't this a terrible thing? 80% of women are broken. There's something wrong with 80% of women because they cannot achieve orgasm from a little teeny tiny penis. They need more. What's wrong with these women? Then it continued. The next thing it said is that little clitoris, that is so inferior to that big, powerful vagina. Trying to have an orgasm by touching that little tiny clitoris is nothing compared to the fierce power of a man's penis and a woman's vagina. And it continued. It said, this study, and, and so I could not find the citation. This study proved that masturbation and sexual exploration with multiple partners do not improve your ability to have an orgasm. And you can see like the smoke coming out of my ears, more dark clouds overhead. The worst of all, is it said 
you may think that you can improve your sex life by improving your relationship. But you know, it's so hard and, and you can't expect men to do anything different. So it's your problem. You need to fix your problem. And I just thought, how typical, isn't it, right? Women are responsible for every single thing that goes on in their relationship. And of course, it didn't help at the time I was reading Pia Melody on codependence. And of course, what is codependence? Codependence is taking 100% responsibility for a relationship between two people. Your job is to have 100% responsibility for your 50%. His 50% is his. And guess what? Two people have sex, which means you are never more responsible for more than 50% of a sexual experience. Guys, you need to be stepping up too. So I just was so mad and I was so mad and I was so mad because this is 2023 and women are buying this product in droves. They are believing every single thing and no one is standing there saying, this is BS. None of this is true. You are not broken. There is nothing wrong with you because you need more stimulation than a penis. There's nothing wrong with you. And so that is why. I just had to write this book. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. I was just thinking about how there's, I mean, it's, there's the messages to sell everything are about making women feel bad about themselves. So of course, this is going to be there too, because our bodies aren't enough. Our, our, our poor, our poor little clitorises who are, we know are bundles of joy are not enough because you know if you if you really unleash the power of the clitoris who would not buy anything we would just be at home touching our clitorises being very happy <laughs> but yeah i mean i bet you know i bet they're really selling a lot with that fear-mongering that's really sad i mean it's very angering it almost seems like a joke you're just like really and this is i think again going back to the work i do Women have been made to feel they need all sorts of things to be enough and to be adequate. They need a better body. They need, um, you know, they need to be the perfect woman. And, and there is so much cultural pressure that tells us the way you are, nobody's going to want you the way you are. But in fact, the way you are is incredible and nobody's letting you know that. Yeah. Yeah, something that I wanted to bring up in the book. So I want to talk about what the book is a little bit. Um, you know better than me, Amy, but what I saw it as the person reading it is that it is a just a huge myth-busting book. You go through all of the myths that are really common. Um, you know, a lot of them, uh, some of them were things that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the research on that. And before I saw that, I believed this, like men are visual. That's a huge myth that women aren't visual, you know, um, things like that. Um, so it, it really I mean, so it's it's really nice. It's a quick read um, to go through and just bust all of these myth myths and really free people sexually. Um, one of the myths that I wanted to talk about, I would like you to talk more about because it's related to what you were just talking about, is um, the myth that women's bodies have to be this perfect attractive things because men are so visual that they need to have perfect bodies in order to be sexually attractive and in order to be able to have good sex and all of that. I'd like you to go into more of that. And of course, y'all would like to join the other rebels here, um, please do with any of your thoughts around this, because I think this is something that all women have had to bust for ourselves 
and sometimes for our partners. Well, I mean, there's a really easy um, solution to bust that myth. Um, look at all the women who have sex lives. Are they all thin and beautiful? The answer is 99% of them look just absolutely normal. And guys are loving having sex with these gorgeous, normal women with who think they have all these flaws and, and none of it matters. So one of the things that I think has been really challenging as culture has shifted is we have been shifting to a very visual culture. We spend so much time looking at our screens. We look at Instagram. Um, the, the production of porn has gone crazy and it's all watching it on a screen. So what we've come to believe is that attraction and chemistry and sex is just like looking at something on a screen because we spend so much time doing it. But in fact, if you think about your sexual experiences, how often do you just close your eyes so you can feel? And so one of the things I encourage women to do, and I can't, the first time I did this, it was a revelation. This is what changed me personally from being somebody who cared about what my body looked like. I thought, what does a man experience when he's with me? And so I went in my bedroom and I closed the door and I touched myself. And I closed my eyes. I said, what does my body actually feel like? I know what it looks like, but what does it feel like? And it turns out the way your body feels is absolutely amazing. Skin is so interesting. You know, there's curves and there's hard parts and everything is so interesting. And, and that is what a man experiences when he is with you in bed. He is, you are a full sensory experience, right? And if his eyes are closed, he's touching you, he's tasting you, he's smelling you. We have all these other senses that we enjoy when we are sexual with a person. And unfortunately, because our culture is so organized around capitalism and around screens, we reduce sex to its probably least important part. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, for myself, I'm, I'm really... Um, a sensory person with touch. I mean, touch is my biggest sensory. I love a lot of sensory input with touch. Um, there are times when I don't want any touch at all, but it is touch. You know, it is not how someone's body looks. So, yeah, I mean, I'm and and I think the the idea is and something that you talk about in the book around myth busting is just how closely related we all are and what drives desire for people. Yeah. And part of it as well is that I really thought that the book was going to be for women our age. You know, women who were middle-aged, little older, who had grown up in that era when there wasn't very good research around. And it was very male-centric. Like the 80s was <laughs> one of those decades that was really teaching women to be feminine and men to be masculine and we all had to have our places. But, and so I didn't think that young people today would need this message. I thought young people today know better. Young people today know that they are worthwhile, that they deserve good sex. And then I started reading books and research on the hookup culture on college campuses. And I was utterly shocked to find out how many young people today are having such bad sex. And the reason it's bad is because of the lack of emotional connection. They're not allowed to catch feelings. 
it's not allowed to mean anything. And so the young people today are experiencing kind of a sexual experiment. What happens when you have sex and you deliberately remove all emotional connection out of it? And the answer is pretty simple. It's pretty bad sex. So this is what we failed to see is actually that emotional connection and the physical connection is what creates the spiritual connection. And that's the transcendence of sex. And that's what we want. Well, why do you think that more women don't know this information? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is really interesting. So, Tara, where were you in 1998? I was in college. Right. It was my last year of college. Yeah. So that was the end of my education. I had done all of my, right? If I was gonna take sex ed classes, it would have been in the early 1990s. But 1998 was the year that an amazing Australian urologist first mapped the full structure of the clitoris. Prior to 1998, we knew a little bit, but she's the first one who gave us the full structure through dissecting cadavers and that was only the structure. We didn't know about the blood flow and the nerve endings and how the clitoris responds to arousal until 2005, when she then did MRI studies to show us the clitoris in action. So that information was literally not there. But, but right, we are quite a ways on from 2005. Surely it should be everywhere. It should be in every college textbook. Well, I don't know about you, but my daughter has been doing some studies of the reproductive system. It's very funny. She's gone to classes where they're doing the body systems and then the reproductive system comes up and the teacher's like, oh, we're going to skip that one because apparently kids aren't allowed to know how their bodies work. But I will bet you when she finally goes through her studies of the reproductive system in school, she will not learn about the clitoris and she will not learn its role in female pleasure because this information is not out. We are really a vagina-centric culture. We've got the vagina monologues, right? And I know V. Eve Ensler has talked about, yes, it should have been the vulva monologues. And, but there is a period in the 90s where we were just all about vaginas, right? We were about, you know, is it the vajazzling. And, <laughs> but in most cases, when women said vagina, they meant vulva. And in fact, the clitoris still wasn't mentioned. It was this little tiny thing. And so where would we have learned this information? Who was talking about it? It wasn't our girlfriends. We weren't reading the scientific research. It wasn't being put in our sex ed classes and it's still not. So you sort of have to ask yourself the question, who's, whose interests are served by focusing our discussion on female reproduction on the vagina and reducing the clitoris down to this teeny tiny nub. Whose interest? Oh, I know, maybe the interest of people who like to put things in vaginas. 
maybe they're the ones who think that the vagina is so important. And that's why I believe there's a little bit of political reasons that we don't know this stuff. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, women being able to unlock their own pleasure. Well, and I, you know, it is, I think it is more patriarchal than political. It's a whole systematic problem. Mm -hmm. But our, I think we need to also look at our vaginas as not just for reproduction, that we don't need a man or a penis to have inside pleasure. Mm -hmm. We can have vaginal orgasms that are absolutely amazing in addition to clitoral orgasms and that we don't need to just stop at the clitoris, that we get to have those other orgasms, whether we have a man or not, and that it doesn't have anything to do with him. And I think that when we bring, that we each need to bring 100% to the table, not just 50%. Good point. Yeah, because I, I was also thinking about the transformative power of sex you were talking about, Amy, and oh my gosh, I am blanking. Okay, so what is the chemical component of ayahuasca? I always forget what it's called. Does anyone um, remember that right now? No idea. Okay, well, we'll just say the chemical component of ayahuasca because my brain is not connecting with, but we have that in our body. We have receptors for it. It's already in our body. And so there's research around how cervical orgasms can release that. And so that is when that is released, you get an an ayahuasca-like experience in your body without needing to add any chemicals in because we already have this in our body. Um, And you can have that transcendent. You can have that um, almost like you're having hallucinations during sex, this spiritual connection. And only women can do that. So that was just another cool fact that that's from the research that Dr. Jenny Martin is doing, who's been on my podcast. And Amy, I know you've interviewed her as well, but I always think that's just really amazing. I love that. I love that fact too. So it's, I mean, the entire, just all of the, the entire female reproductive, well, not just reproductive, the entire female sexual system is what I was trying to say is geared towards not only pleasure, but reduction of pain, also, um, when, 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 when women are giving birth, there, there are chemicals released to reduce pain. So, um, but those also can be stimulated through sexual, um, can, man, I cannot talk today. It's Friday y'all, um, through, th- through stimulating the cervix. So it's not just like you have to have a baby coming out to be able to get that stimulation, you know, so our body is made to not only increase pleasure, but reduce pain um, through sexual exploration. So, I mean, I just think that that's amazing. And you know, like you were saying, Tiffany, we, we can do it with a penis, but we don't need a penis to do that. There's a lot of amazing, um, sex toys that you can use to be able to find out all the wonderful things that your body can do. So it's really exciting. And going back to that article that really fired me up, Masturbation, I just have to say, I'm sure women know this, but masturbation is the very best way to improve your ability to have an orgasm. So do lots of it because you have to know your body to teach it to a man. Your ability to have an orgasm is not dependent on his skill in bed. It's dependent on your ability to communicate 
what you know about your body to him. And that's another myth in the book that I just think is so important. We, my generation, I'm just gonna stick with my generation. That's all I can talk about. We were really taught that men are in charge in bed. They know what to do. You just go and lie there and he does all the amazing things to you. Sex is what is done to you. And so as a result, I thought, I'm dead serious. I thought that guys knew what they were doing in bed. I thought that my sexual experience was in his hands and I had to take whatever he gave me. So whatever he did, I just had to be happy with it. And I just think about the years I lost and all the bad sex I had because I thought that I was the passive recipient of the sexual experience a man gave me. And as Tiffany was saying, no, <laughs> we get our own sexual experience and we're responsible for the experience we have. And that includes communicating to him. So what I'm hearing, Amy, is men need to learn to listen to the woman they're with because we're all different. No two women are the same. And if they can learn to listen to the woman they're with, they'll be a great lover. That is exactly it. So I have to tell you a story about, I did get one male reader uh, to give me some feedback on the book. I solicited as much feedback as I could so I could make it the best it could be when it came out. And what he said, and this, this went into the book, he said, women underestimate how different they are to every single woman a man has been with. So women don't realize how unique their bodies are and how unique their sexual response are. So when they come to a sexual experience with a man, they expect him to be able to play their pleasure buttons and to know the tune to play, but he only knows what he knows from the other women he's been with and they've all been different. So we said that it's really hard sometimes because sometimes women get mad at him for not knowing how to give them pleasure, but they didn't communicate to him what he needed to do. And he said, so many men want to know, but they're, they're, they're operating in the dark. They just don't have any instruction. So if my book can do one thing, it's understand that he doesn't know what he's doing, not because he's ignorant, but because your body is unique and it's your job to show him. Everyone needs a map for the wonderland, right? <laughs> well, and going back to us, you know, self-exploration being the most important way to get there because we have to learn ourselves too. And that's something I learned a lot from doing this podcast with so many different women who have come on the Shameless Sexual Revolution is I came into this thinking that my sex, my sexuality, the way that I experience orgasms and um, what my pleasure points were, were pretty similar to other women. And I didn't know that either. And so, you know, just having women talk about different ways that they receive pleasure gave me so many great ideas. And also, um, you know, really, uh, I think these are, it, it, of course, really brought the point home that, that all women are different with sexuality. Um, but I think that we, we get a message, you know, about like, I think you even talked about this in your book, Amy, people just wanting to be normal, you know? And so we think of like, what is a normal way to experience pleasure? And this should be the way that I experience pleasure. And there is really no normal way to experience pleasure. There's just so many amazing, wonderful ways to experience pleasure that if we can be open to them, then we can discover these 
things about ourselves. I mean, I just think that it's really amazing. I think I've already said that, but it is so amazing. (laughs) And that's, I think, why one part of the book that I really come down hard on is the kind of sex advice that I grew up in, the kind that you find in the magazines, little do this to him, right? Mm -hmm. This will turn him on step-by-step instructions. And if you follow my step-by-step instructions, he will, you know, be so happy. One of the things I love, you love Dr. Sue Johnson as well. I know Tara, Um, she writes in her book, she, she creates this amazing phrase. She calls it synchrony sex. And synchrony sex is sex where you are not doing things to each other. You are responding to each other in the moment like a dance. So somebody could say, well, a dance is when you do these, these steps, step here, step here, step here, step here. That's kind of boring. You put two people together, they do their steps. That's not really dancing. That's just stepping in a certain pattern. Dancing comes when you unify your emotions and when they move, you move. And they're reading you in the moment and they are responding to you in the moment, not with their conscious mind who has the steps one, two, three, I'm supposed to be doing, but with their unconscious presence. And so that I think is what we should aspire to synchrony sex, sex that is a response to our partner in the moment, but you can only get there if number one, you pay attention and learning your partner. And number two, it gets better the longer you're together. So one of the things I talk about is hookup sex versus relationship sex. You know, we got a lot of people believing that casual sex means I'm a liberated woman. But in fact, when you are with a partner who does not invest time in learning your body, who is really with you to get off, you're having bad sex. And is bad sex better than no sex? If you think it is, that's okay. But what about aiming for beautiful transcendent sex, sex where you're with a partner who wants to learn your body and responses so that he can move with you and respond with you and pay attention to what's arousing you and pay attention to what you're responding to so you can achieve that beautiful synchrony sex, that beautiful dance. And that's what an emotional connection will get you. And that's what a a consistent partner will get you. And again, this is not to say that hookup sex is bad. It, it serves a purpose. And nobody, nobody has to have sex for the same reason. The other thing I do want to mention is, you know, orgasm. You don't. You can have great sex without an orgasm. We, we're not talking about you have to have the greatest sex of your life every time. There's all sorts of different types of sex. But wouldn't it be nice to aim for having better sex for you? I'm, I'm a yes to that. I'm a yes. And thinking about sex, uh, better sex, um, I also love that you brought up Emily Nagoski's dual control model from her book, Come As You Are. That really helped me so much. And in fact, I use that all the time when talking to clients about sex to help them understand themselves. Can you talk a little bit about the dual control model and also... You know, I'd like you to share any any um, insight about yourself around that too. But um, yeah, Amy, tell us about that. Well, one of the things that, I mean, when I read that, I will just say it blew my mind wide open because one of the experiences that really confused me, I, I opened the book with it, is that 
when I was single and when I was dating, I really enjoyed my sex life. I felt like I had control over the kind of sexual experiences I had. I felt like I could communicate. I felt like I could get what I wanted in that moment with that partner. But then I made the transition to long-term committed relationship sex, committed relationship sex. And I found that it wasn't doing it for me. I was having relationship maintenance sex and I wasn't having sex for me anymore. And why was this happening? You know, because I love this person. What was going on? When I learned about this concept of sexual accelerators and sexual breaks, what I suddenly understood was when I was in a dating relationship, I wasn't living with this person. We were, we were doing wonderful, beautiful dates, coming home and having sex. And it was so great. All my sexual, sexual accelerators were being pressed. But then when I got into a long-term relationship. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of my sexual breaks were being pressed. And so it wasn't that this person wasn't a good lover. It wasn't that I had lost my libido. It was that I didn't understand that I was pushing the brakes and not the accelerators. And so Dr. Nagoski has a beautiful concept that we should really know what, what kickstarts arousal and what stops arousal. So our accelerators and our brakes. So, and those are very unique to us. So for me in that situation, the things that were my sexual accelerators were going out on a date, knowing that I was going to have sex that night, getting dressed up, um, flirting with my partner. And so by the time I came home, I had been revved up. My accelerator has been pressed for like an hour or two. And oh, it was great. Look at long-term relationship sex, uh, long, hard day. I went and cooked dinner. The kitchen's a mess. I've got all this stuff to do tomorrow. Oh, right. And, and part of the relationship is the expectation that I fulfill my partner's needs because men need sex like they need food, right? Of course it wasn't good for me. And that was not because I had a low libido. That was not because I was a high libido woman and my relationship drained my libido. It was because I was pressing my brakes and not my accelerators. And so I say in the book, if you take away one concept from this, it's find out what pushes your brakes and what pushes your accelerators. And that's how you improve your sex life, not by learning new positions and getting toys and lingerie. Find out how your body works first. Yeah, definitely. And for me, it's, it's about lifting the brakes before even thinking about the accelerator. I can't even think about any accelerators until I'm able to lift the brakes. And I, there's a quiz in Come As You Are about like what your, how sensitive are your accelerator and brakes. And I, when I took that, I found that I had, and, and uh, Emily, and when I interviewed her said that this is the most rare, so of course... <laughs> like unicorn, but um, that I have extremely sensitive brakes and extremely sensitive accelerator. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so I have a million brakes. And if I could like get them lifted, then those accelerators will really just like pop. <laughs> and it's so important. What is so frustrating is that when 
when people don't know this, the woman feels like, gosh, I've lost my desire. I'm just getting old. There's something wrong with mm-hmm. me. And the man feels frustrated. You know, I'm doing all the same moves before, but she doesn't like it. You know, what's wrong with her? And, and she doesn't desire me anymore. And there's so much frustration and there's so much heartbreak and none of it's necessary because they're just missing this simple concept. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another point that you made along those lines that, um, and I, I, well, I don't know if you made this or maybe I read, maybe this was Tracy Cox. So we'll just say either you or Tracy said this, but she has a book about sex over 50. And one of the things that she said in the book that I really loved was um, that it's not that women don't have high sexual desire. It's just that they're bored. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah. And that is what the, the, the punchline of the book is. Maybe we're not bad at sex. Maybe we're just having bad sex. Maybe we're bored and being bored is a break. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the one thing that, again, I didn't include this myth, but it makes me so annoyed. The myth that says that um, men aren't designed for monogamy. Women are designed for monogamy. And it's actually that's backwards. Men find it easy to maintain sexual desire for their partner in a long-term relationship Women find it incredibly hard to maintain sexual desire in a long-term relationship. Women are the one who respond better to novelty than the men. So it's actually the women's need for novelty that men need to be addressing. Yep. Going back to the board, right? I mean, we just, we need some more excitement. And I found that for me, what, what helped is just doing, I love like role play stuff. And so just doing like different role plays and like just both of us, not necessarily pretending to be other people, but just being in different roles because that helps with my breaks of thinking of all of the things like seeing him as my partner and thinking of all the things that we need to get done that are like those drudgery, long-term relationship things, stuff for our daughter, blah, blah, blah. But if I pretend he's my massage therapist or he's coming to fix something in the house or something like that, that helps me release breaks because it it brings some novelty. I, I mean, of course I know who he is. He's my loving caring husband that I feel deeply connected to that will play role play games with me, even though he's not into it. But, you know, it does, that that does help for me release those breaks of all the things that are paired with a long-term partner. And that's another part. Esther Perel is another, I I should have included some of her work in here and I didn't because Esther is obviously just the queen of, of desire. And she talks about, um, so much about how, um, oh, I lost my train of thought here. I was just thinking how wonderful Esther was. But um, <laughs> she is yeah, great. You could just go on. Of, yeah, the importance eroticism depends on separation. And so we often think that um, a really sexy relationship is one where we are connected all the time and we're texting all the time and we're in each other's pockets. And Esther Perel really argues quite powerfully that actually desire is served by absence and separation so in fact one of the ways she says that you can um, improve your sexual desire is uh don't communicate with each other during the day when he goes to work you go to work don't text and don't check each other's facebooks stay apart for a day and then come back together and wow you'll have so much to talk about and it'll be interesting and so this is what role play can help do is it creates that sense of separation Mm -hmm. so i think in Mm -hmm. some ways women 
can understand that their desire for closeness can sometimes sabotage their desire to feel excited. Mm -hmm. And that maybe if he goes away for a business trip, that can be a great boon to your sex life. Yeah. Yes. Some, I remember some really awesome sex when we were first married, when he was traveling all the time and I would go visit him or he would come home and yeah. But um, yeah. So being conscious of that and creating that, I mean, I think that there is also a, um, pressure we receive as women to, and this is not just me making this profound statement. We all know this. We have a lot of pressure to be the gatekeepers of the relationship, right? And it's this idea that we are supposed to be keeping up with all of the emotional needs of everybody. And, um, and that is a lot of, that is a big break too. That is a big break that we can, that we can relieve for ourselves. It's one that I've worked on relieving for myself to have more of a sense of separation, not just physically and literally, but a sense of separation for me not feeling responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Caretaking. I think this is an Esther quote, but caretaking is poison to desire. Mm -hmm. How do you fall in love with family? So that was the other part that I really, again, she's just an amazing person, but you are not designed to feel sexually attracted to family. Right. And so the minute your partner becomes family, that's just going to put a kicker in the desire. So if he can be a mysterious stranger, then all the better. Absolutely. Well, for the group, I'm going to ask some questions for the group because uh, I'd like to hear from y'all if y'all would like to talk. But um, what what is good sex for you? For me, it's... Um having a partner who's invested in me, who I can, you know, I can't have good sex with someone I, I can't trust. Mm -hmm. It's having someone, you know, who's not so much familiar, but comfortable. I can trust him and who, who listens to my needs. And I have that. I'm very fortunate. What about you, Tiffany? What's good sex for you? Well, great sex is... Okay, great. Yeah, let's... Um, why are we settling for good? Thank you. <laughs> um, is sex where I feel connected to myself and that I'm really present in the moment and what's happening and really allowing all of my senses to be involved. So how, how do you intentionally do that? I use... I use the sensate touch model of just like staying in in the moment of those touch points and being like I love I good I great eye contact lots of touch you know but I've had fantastic sex with hookup sex as well that as long as they're qualified and they know what we know what each other likes don't like you know it's I've had one time great sex one with one, you know, the first time. And I really do attribute that with to how I view myself and how I view my own pleasure. I know that it's not reliant on a partner that I'm going to get there, whether my partner is involved or not pretty much. So, and there's some wonderful research that says that women who expect orgasms get orgasms. Well, and I joke around with my girlfriends because they're always like, oh, this great, was such great sex. This, I'm like, great sex is because we're great at sex. Mm -hmm. 
and that it has nothing really to do with the guy or the gal or whoever that it's we're great at sex because we're great at sex and we don't settle for the end to end when he's done or whatever I that love we, that. we demand that more to get what we need mm-hmm. and we know what we need so you said and to say you know to say okay that's not enough foreplay yet so keep go we're going to keep this up but learning how to communicate that is tough because we weren't taught how to communicate and most men aren't going to ask even though we want them to and a lot of times when they do ask women don't know what to even answer Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where masturbation comes in absolutely yeah but i agree the communication the communication is really important you need to be able to say stop stop do this or don't stop keep going i'm not there yet that's really important and we're all different. Very. Mm-hmm. And one issue I know that um, I've heard before from some women is they say, well, but the minute I say something, it puts me in my conscious mind. I'm not lost in the moment anymore. And it wrecks it. And so I can't say anything because talking is, is my conscious brain. And so, of course, in those cases, you can just use your hands, take his hand mm-hmm. put it where you want it to You know, it doesn't have to be talking communication. If you are one of those people that just cannot speak in bed, that's totally okay. You got hands, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you got hands, you got your body. Just yeah. Well, and one thing um, about where you're talking, another great point is to. I mean, for me, having conversations about sex when we're not having sex is really sexy. So it's something that relieves my brakes and presses my accelerator because it's we're emotionally connecting talking about sex I'm feeling close to him that's relieving breaks and that's pressing accelerators because we're talking about sex and now I'm thinking about sex but being able to have those conversations outside of sex is I mean that's another way if you don't want to talk during sex because it disrupts your flow or whatever okay cool but like have those conversations of maybe even explaining your breath patterns to somebody and you'd have to know your own breath patterns to be able to say that. But also just saying, you know, like a lot of times I like to build up really slow. And then when I start going, <gasps> that means I want you to go faster, you know, just being able to explain that. Yeah. And, and it, it really goes back to the point you were making, Tiffany, of really connecting with ourselves so that we even know what our own breath patterns are and how our body is feeling and all of that. Because I think um, another thing that's pre- that that's a, a break pusher is thinking too much about your partner during sex. Like, what is he thinking? Does he think this is taking too long? Is he blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's just like you're, you, you get really in your brain instead of getting in the experience. So I've, I'm, I'm a person that because I have anxiety can just go straight to my brain and I have to redirect myself to my body during sex. And that's normal and fine too. You just redirect yourself and go back into the, the, the zone that Tiffany was talking about where you're realigning with, I'm feeling the touch, I'm smelling the smells, I'm just back into my senses. And well, and Amy too, able... Go ahead. I was just going to say with what was Tiffany talking about great hookup sex. I was thinking one of the ways that to have great hookup sex is to have a conversation before having sex. So if you want that great hookup experience, see if you can have a conversation about sex before you hook up, 
because that really is going to tell you whether or not this guy can participate with you or whether or not he just wants to get off using your body. Right, exactly. And I was going to say that for the people that are think that they can't talk during sex and they get too much in their conscious mind, well, if you get into your mind, even you can maybe even experience more pleasure because our minds are where arousal begins for women. So that it doesn't have to be an either or is to train yourself then to be able to get into that part of your brain where you can talk and express because if you're not expressing yourself, then you're probably holding back in your body as well, not just in your mind. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And one way you can do that is during, and this may sound strange to people, but I'll just give away some techniques I've used, but because um, it does feel weird to talk out loud to yourself when you're doing things for people, but I, I find it very effective. But when you're masturbating to talk out loud to yourself, um, because that could be you practicing sexual pleasure and being in that space and being able to talk. And being able to breathe and learning your breath patterns and talking and make noise when you're masturbating. Mm -hmm. And you can even record it if you don't want to talk directly to them. You could record yourself and say, okay, when I do this, this is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And just because already having to... that conversation, you're going to have such better partners if you can have that conversation and they listen and they pay attention. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, and thinking about the myth bust busting of the book, what are some, are, do y'all have any sex facts that you remember from when, from back when, or even recently that were just plain wrong that you heard that you were just like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this. Or you believed it and then it, you figured, you found out it was wrong later. I will just say too, I was thinking about you, Evelyn, with that, because Evelyn is on this Facebook group where women post uh, bad experiences they've had with their dates. And some of the stories Evelyn tells me, this is why, again, one reason why I think this book is so important. There's a lot of clueless guys out there. I have guys ask me all the time if the clitoris is, if the clitoris is a real thing. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, are these guys that you're working with or just, I mean, like, well, I guess you maybe you don't want to say, but I, I'm just like, I, I've actually never heard a guy say that. I'm not saying like, I mean, which is good, right? I guess, but maybe they're afraid to tell me. I don't know. But wow, I didn't realize that that was still like a confusion point. <laughs> my, my funniest was a little different, um, just a funny side note. A guy was talking about a girl who always bought extra large tampons and he totally thought it meant her vagina was extra large. <laughs> I think that's a common one. Um, my, my disappointment in men has always been when they think they're a good lover and then they just think I'm like their last girlfriend. Mm. I don't play, you know, my body don't play it the same way. My body's unique. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a myth too, right? That women have mm -hmm. similar sexual desires and experiences. And that's one that I didn't realize how different the variety was until I talked to a bunch of women about sex with this podcast. Yeah. 
Mine is the, one of those myths that I put in the book that I just love is don't women pee out of their vagina? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Man, that'd be like, I mean, that would be, I mean, it would just seem like it would be like come out like a hose then. It's just like a much bigger hole than what we actually pee out of. <laughs> and you know, it, it, we laugh at it and it's funny, but at the same time, it's really sad. And it goes back to where Amy was talking about her daughter in school. And how they just skip it. You know, the girls aren't taught, the boys aren't taught, we're not taught anything about our bodies. And our parents certainly aren't gonna teach us when they when we start masturbating at what, eleven years old or whatever. You know, our parents are embarrassed, so nobody's gonna talk to us about it. And the worst part is, I, and it may be my experiences with the local school districts, but the boys and the girls are separated for these discussions yeah. so girls should actually they need to know the boys have wet dreams and the boys need to know the girls have periods and i understand that they're separating the children into boys and girls because of the discomfort factor but boys and girls need to know how each other's bodies work and i think it's a disservice to those children to only teach boys about their anatomy and ejaculation and only teach girls about periods and that sort of thing. Well, and when the anatomy isn't in the medical books, we can't even go to doctors for the information. Mm -hmm. I mean, they probably skipped over it because if they showed the reproductive model in all the medical textbooks, there is no clitoris there. There is no pleasure items even shown in the books and so to even you know we'd laugh about the peeing out of the vagina but really men pee out of their pleasure device so true true of course they may think that that's the way we work as well there's just so many misnomers and so many myths out there and such so many educators, even sex educators and podcasters and TikTok influencers that are giving out false information that it's really a disservice to women. And you're right. I mean, if they're not going to teach that in school and it's not going to be in the anatomy books and the libraries, the children are going to go to TikTok to learn that. Or worse, they'll go to porn. Mm -hmm. Well, the boys will go to porn and the girls you know, go to TikTok or whatever. And then all the boys think the girls are like what they see on porn. They don't realize that's that's not real. Oh, and that makes me sad. One of the, going back to the men are visual creatures. It's so important and they don't realize it, that, that porn is designed to look good. It is not sex that's designed to feel good. And, and sex that feels good is often not sex that would look good on screen because the way you have sex to feel amazing is not very photogenic. And I, I, I laugh, there's some wonderful discussions you can find online about women talking about their orgasm face. And um, so many women can feel actually really ashamed of letting themselves go, but they're like, oh, my face and it scrunched up and it goes red and never understanding that actually that's hot because it's mm -hmm. a response, right? Men are visual creatures. Men are responding to desire and that powerful desire coming out. That's what they're responding to. Not the 
facts that if somebody took a picture of your face, you'd be embarrassed for life. It's <laughs> different. Yeah, it's the it's the mirror neurons. They're powerful, right? When we see someone experiencing pleasure, it's a hugest turn on for our pleasure mm -hmm. because of, of our mirror neurons. So that's really cool. Yeah. So your pleasure face is sexy, everybody. And for men too. Men also have a pleasure face. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It. So it is, I think it's really important to be comfortable in your own body with who you are and how you look. Well, there was something, I know this is so elementary, but it was something that I didn't realize um, until I did the research because, of course, going back to what how we're not educated, which is, um, and this, of course, makes sense to how we develop as babies and all of that, but I did not know how, because, you know, that babies are all female when they're first born and then testosterone enters and that's how we, babies turn male who are going to be male and, and, and people's sexual organs start to develop then that there is just a, a component of women's bodies and men's bodies where it's like, okay, this is my that and this is your that that's like mine. And um, Emily Nagoski goes into that and come as you are. Um, but I didn't know that until I started doing that research that I mean, that those things being shared, I think would those totally appropriate and cool things for kids to learn. I mean, it's just really mm -hmm. cool to think like, yeah, ours all look different, but we have the, the same feelings here. You know, I mean, it's really I, I just think that's cool. And it's sad that I, I think that I first learned that when I read that book when I was like 40. <laughs> Not kidding. My daughter loves knowing that all babies are basically girl babies. And I know that's, that's really a generalization. It's not quite like that. But the reason I love teaching her that is because I, I just think that somebody needs to make a documentary on Helen O'Connell. And she is the first female Australian urologist. And she is the one who mapped the full structure of the clitoris. Like, so we've got the, where the blood flow and the nerve endings, the full thing. And one of her inspirations for doing that was, she was studying for her degree and there was the anatomy textbook that she had to memorize and she just could not pass the anatomy exam. And one of the things that made her so mad was that um, there's no clitoris in it. There was two pages devoted to the penis and the female genitalia were, were written in the book. They were considered a failure to develop male genitalia. <laughs> failure to develop our genitals didn't develop if they should if they developed they would be male genitalia and and that would be perfect and correct but sadly they're undeveloped and i thought how freudian and this was oh in the gosh. 1980s how about how overdeveloped freudian. female genitalia <laughs> male, male genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah totally it, it i've seen her presentations a few times it's really yeah. amazing Yeah, I, I didn't know about her before reading your book, so I'm going to have to look her up. Say her There's name again for the listeners. about her out there. There's one article, a great article in the Sydney Morning Herald, but anybody listening out there who uh, makes documentaries, she she deserves a documentary. Oh my gosh, I would definitely watch that. What is her name again? Say it again for the listeners. Helen O'Connell. Helen O'Connell. Okay. She's, uh, she's practicing today. She's, you know, she's still doing research. Um, she, there's <laughs> one of the amazing things is, you know, there is, I just remember they discovered the G spot. What's the G spot. And now 
through work she's either been involved with or um, anyways, she's had this research, they're actually, they, they believe that the G-spot is actually the clitoris. It's just a richly innervated part of the clitoris mm -hmm. that you press through the vaginal walls into, but it's the research she opened up is just extraordinary. Okay, Tiffany was letting us know that clitoris.io is is the oh my my message went away. Will you just tell us what you were writing? Sure. So I just put in the chat that the it's clitoris.io is the all the videos from the clitoris summit that happened last May and it has the woman who is has the doctor that Amy's talking about it has the young lady who is um, advocating to get everything put back into medical books and into prenatal books and birthing books. Um, it just has, there's such a wealth of women speakers that it's amazing about reproduct about our bodies and reproduction and pleasure and everything. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I'm going to check that out. I didn't even know about that summit. Thank you, Tiffany, for that resource. And I think that's where we want to go. What we want to do is, when I think about how I learned about all this stuff, I didn't actually learn that much from sex ed. I didn't actually learn that much from, you know, the, the books I read. But where I learned my information was other women. Other women sharing what they had learned, uh, gossiping with girlfriends in the bathroom, that's where most of my education comes from. And so when we share things with women and when we talk about it and when we support women who are raising awareness, like I, I told Tara, I, I, I loved one of the things I, I encourage people to do in the book and, and I'll encourage you to do this is go to Etsy and type in clit art or clitoris art. And there are clitoris earrings, there's clitoris necklaces. And so I just think that the more we see the clitoris and its glory everywhere, the more we will shift culture. And one of the things that, that is really showing how far we've come is that the, the mascots have come out for the 2024 Olympics in Paris and they're encouraging people to come to the Olympics. And the mascots are supposed to look like hats, the type of hats that were popular during the French Revolution. But they actually look like, and this is a dead quote, this is not me coming up, but they look like a clitoris and sneakers. So go look up the Paris mascot, 2024 Olympics, and awesome. wave at the clitoris and sneakers. Because <laughs> <laughs> a clitoris needs to have shoes. I love uh, it. Get those clitoris earrings, you know, talk to your girls about the clit. Just, um, we Beva, need to celebrate we, it. We need to share it. Viva la, la clitoris. I mean, Ian Kerner says Viva la vulva, which, yeah, I'm going to go with that too. But our, our new cry, Viva la clitoris. <laughs> well, thank you, Amy, so much for sharing about your book. And uh, thank you so much, Tiffany and Evelyn, for being here today. Um, Evelyn as a new rebel so welcome to the clan appreciate you being here thank you again for Tiffany for coming again I always love to see you and Amy where can people get this amazing book of yours I saw you have an audio version and um, a ebook what yeah I'm, what was that 
It's a PDF. Just an oh, e-book. okay. Yes, ebook. I don't. I could not think of the, like a word book is what I was trying to say, and that's not what it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, an ebook and an audio version. Where can people access this? Yes. Well, just go to yourbrilliance.com slash unleash. It's called Unleash Your Pleasure Power. And again, you can buy it online. It will be, it's a digital product at yourbrilliance.com slash unleash. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Thanks so much, Tara, for having me on. Well, thank you so much for, oh, okay. I'm sorry. We're just getting a little message. Thank you so much for all your listeners for being here, for everyone who is dedicated to um, empower women sexually and defeat sexual shame. So thank you so much for that. And I usually say viva la vulva, but I'm going to say viva la clitoris for this show because I think we just need to do that. So viva la clitoris.